0: Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our Expositions through the Book of Daniel. We are currently in chapter 2 at verse 19. Hi there, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today. Let's begin reading, why don't we, at verse 19 in chapter 2 of the Book of Daniel, where it says this. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. It is He who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is He who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and spoke to him as follows, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, Neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream, and the visions in your mind while on your bed As for you, O king, while on your bed your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future, and he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. We have here, then, a continuation of this story, of this dream. That's all of chapter 2. The content has to do with the fact that the king had a dream. And uh, we're working up to the interpretation, but there's lots to understand about what all went on, not only in the context, but also in the spirituality and in the maturity of Daniel, a young man who is now uh, been called upon for this vital role of this, uh, this encounter with King Nebuchadnezzar, the reigning king over the Babylonian empire. Now, just for the sake of getting to our context, we find that the first six chapters of the book of Daniel has to do with certain stories. Now, these stories include certain things that we might call visions or dreams like chapter 2 does, but the story is more about uh, all the things that that, uh, that surrounds the dream itself, uh, both the characters themselves as well as the interpretation. And so we find these stories in verse that is in chapters uh, one through six. Then we find the visions. The actual visions uh, are uh, are included in a list of uh, uh, chapters seven through twelve. So then these stories include the transfer of, to the University of Babylon, you might say, and this dream now in chapter 2, which is turns out to be a dream of a statue and a stone. And we'll get to that later on. But right now we're going to focus on the paragraphs that we've read the day. And it says uh, in chapter 4 then is the tract, a testimonial tract by the king that Nebuchadnezzar himself wrote has written and sent out. And uh, that's chapter four. Chapter five is the wall, the wall where uh, handwriting needs to be deciphered. And then there is the den of lions and why Daniel was willing to face the lions in in uh, uh, in the way that he did and what God did to deliver him. So uh, these first ch- six chapters are all about the stories. And of course, if you grew up in Sunday school, you are familiar with many of these stories, stories of courage, stories of valor, stories of convictions, uh, stories of godliness and and surrender, stories of of, uh, strength and wisdom and stories of all sorts. And yet in this, uh, we find a certain exposition of how this story came to be. Be- and it was because of Daniel, Daniel, in his own position, that he's been uh, placed among the these uh, this committee, you might say, this this entourage of all sorts of uh, seers and fortune tellers and and uh, magicians of all sorts, and and chemists, and these were more. And these weren't just medical chemists. These these were. Uh, 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 those who invented potions for various things, they weren't necessarily in the job of chemistry itself, uh, but, uh, they were in this whole realm of paganism and, and yet Daniel was kind of lumped into those, uh, those, uh, uh, those areas of expertise because he went to the University of Babylon and he learned about these things and he's he's already made a name for himself in many regards. And so that's the the position that he was placed in along with with his three friends. And as it turns out that uh, he and his three friends were included in the list to be destroyed because nobody else could interpret uh, the king's dream because the king has already laid the gauntlet down so to speak, by saying, you've got to tell me the dream first. I'll confirm the content of the dream and then I'll know that you have the authority to interpret the dream. Otherwise, don't mess around with me and don't fool around with me. So that's when Daniel then goes to his three friends, and requests prayer, and they go to the Lord in prayer. And this is Daniel's prayer, but notice Daniel's prayer here recorded actually comes after God has made his move in revealing this to Daniel. Now, David Jeremiah, Dr. David Jeremiah, that is, uh, uh, has suggested to us perhaps the Lord let Daniel Uh, dream the same dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And so that's the reason why he can do this, because God let him in on Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so that's, where verse 19 starts in this particular part of the story this story is kind of long but uh, it it has a, a climactic ending in many regards and so it says the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision and i want you to to notice that there is certain parallels now there there those parallels aren't always exact but there are it might be worthwhile for us to look at uh, Joseph in another Gentile empire, the empire of, uh, the Egyptians and the Egyptian Pharaoh. And so we find that, an, a, uh, Joseph's career was kind of parallel to, to Daniel because he could interpret dreams and come to find out he had to interpret this, uh, by, uh, by Pharaoh, this dream that he had, in fact, you can turn back you can you can uh, spend some time reading the entire chapter of uh, chapter forty one of the book of Genesis, if you'd like, at another time, but I'm just going to read some of the highlights to point out to you that this phenomenon of God making a move uh, to to move his person uh, into a position. Where they can then interpret a dream for a Gentile, a pagan. A ruler and uh, God moves in their hearts that is the ruler's heart in order to give this encounter and give this encounter certain significance that is to be felt for many 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 years and that's exactly what he did with with uh, Joseph it says in uh, Genesis 41 I'll I'll read verse 1 and then I'm going to read verse 8 and verse 12 and verse 42 it says this in verse 1 of Genesis 41. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. And it describes certain things about cows, and uh, we won't get into the details of that particular dream. But verse 8, it says in uh, chapter 41 of Genesis, verse 8, it says, now in the morning his spirit was troubled, so he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt. You see the parallel? These, these kings have these conjurers and these seers and these magicians who, uh, who are on the government payroll to give uh, spiritual advice to the king. Uh, they're the government experts, you might say, in all things that have to do with spirits and supernatural things and uh, the things that are beyond just uh, uh, physical. And it says, and to all its wise men. So, and Pharaoh told them his dreams but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. So this story is an old story. This is a repeat uh, movie, you might say, in Daniel's life that uh, is parallel to Joseph's life in many regards, at least uh, at this particular point of reference to uh, interpreting the dream of a pagan king, a ruling Gentile king. And and then uh, let's skip on down to verse twelve of uh, chapter forty-one of the book of Genesis. It says this: Now a Hebrew youth. Was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one, he interpreted according to his own dreams. So Joseph has already made a reputation among those in the palace. And so uh, Pharaoh calls him in. Verse 42 Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and clothed them in garments and of fine linen, and put the gold necklace around his neck. So so Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And I don't want to get sidetracked in that dream and that interpretation. I just want you to see the the parallel there that God intervenes in a miraculous way to give these people, these particular people insights into spiritual realms. And he does so by, first of all, incorporating or moving inside the mind of a Gentile king. And when he does so, then he brings along a prophet or a gifted person to interpret those dreams. And so as he did with Joseph, he's doing the same thing with Daniel because that's the kind of God that uh, that does these things he he does intervene into the minds and the hearts of men so that he can reveal the things he wants to reveal that men themselves would never discover even at the most at the height of their ingenuity and their own thinking and philosophies and skills they still cannot scope out the things that only God can reveal. Well, we'll be back right after this short break. we're back you may have actually put it on pause and this may be a totally different uh new time for you to listen or maybe you've just listened to the music and kept on going here but regardless we're glad you kept with us we have only uh, spent half our time uh talking about the first verse of uh, this entire part of this story so let's get going here more because uh, daniel uh Uh, has already now received what uh, evidently has been the content of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. God has given him this same insight, and so he, he immediately goes to worship. Isn't that interesting? And he does so by blessing the God of heaven. And that's what he's what he uh that's the object of his worship. And he says, "Let the name of God be blessed." So so uh, Daniel gives blessings to God and blessings to his name. Now, a, a lot of us uh, in our prayers perhaps we ask God to bless us, or we ask God to bless our food, or we ask God to bless our car or our travels or our safety. And that's the direction of our blessing, you might say, or that's the direction that we ask for God's blessing. But what's interesting is there is a, there's a, uh, a method or a, a way of understanding that, that uh, Jewish people have in praying, and that is to bless God himself, that we bless God when we give him praise in doing so. We give him worship. And that's what Daniel is doing here. And he says wisdom and power belong to him. And, and look at this. It also says he removes kings. I'm sorry, verse 21 says he changes the times and the epochs. All of this, the, the things of the eras of history, history itself is in God's hands. And, and the idea of, of kings and removing kings and raising kings to power, that still is in God's sovereign power plan. He is superior to all the others who cannot reveal these mysteries because only God knows these mysteries. The God of heaven knows these mysteries. The God of creation knows these mysteries. The God of the universe knows these mysteries, unlike any other uh, things that might try to take his place and God, and then Daniel understands that this is part of God's character. He is superior to all others uh, who try to compete with him, and he is sovereign. That means he has the power in his own hands. Uh, he is also providential in, in putting kings into place and removing kings from place. So Daniel understands that this is a part of God's Movement in the Gentile empires while the Jewish people are in exile and someone else is now in control. And yet, Daniel understands there is God being sovereign in this situation. And this prayer, by the way, also gives us a hint, uh, a possible hint, about what the content of the dream and the interpretation might be when he talks about the removal of kings and the establishment of kings, that is exactly what this dream is going to talk about. And we'll get to the details later, but I just kind of want to let you know, this is a piece of literature and this literature lets us in with this little hint, this little foreshadow of what is going to take place in the rest of the chapter later in the interpretation. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. And Daniel definitely understands himself as being an object of that gift from God. And even though God reveals profound and hidden things, and he knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells with him, Daniel knows that God knows all things. He knows the unknowable things. That's what we call God's omniscience, and and he knows things that we cannot know, and that's the reason why he can reveal things that no one else can reveal, and he can tell us things that no one else knows. Now, that doesn't mean that God has told us everything. As the commentator uh, Dale Ralph Davis said this, to have a God who reveals mysteries, however, does not mean we have a God who unveils everything. He doesn't show us which stocks will profit or whether you can avoid cancer till you're 89 years old or whether one's nation will still exist 20 years hence. He only reveals what we need to have. And that's the case. You see, God hasn't given us everything. He doesn't give us all the answers, but he reveals some things that are necessary. And that's the reason why this necessary dream has to be interpreted and why Daniel has been given this job to give the interpretation to this Gentile king. So in verse 23, Daniel's worship actually turns to directly to, to uh, addressing God in, this, in the second person. He's, he's used God in the third person pronoun up until now, but now he says, "'To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter.'" Daniel understands that it's because God has answered their prayer. He has requested prayer uh, by his three friends, and he himself has been praying, and God has answered it. So uh, then the story continues, of course, and that's, uh, that includes uh, going to Arioch and uh, this guy has been in charge of of uh, execution of the uh, of the all the magicians and the conjurers and the and the Chaldeans and that even includes uh, Daniel and his three friends because they're part of this whole uh, entourage, this whole committee of people. They're on the list. They're they're on the data list of supernatural, spiritual people. And so, uh, uh, what's interesting is. He appeals to Arioch, and he says, he says, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. This is an ironic suggestion that a Jewish prophet would go and intercede and intervene on behalf of the false teachers and the false prophets and the magicians and conjurers and the seers and fortune tellers of the Babylonian empire and he intervenes on. That is that is not the kind of role that a Jewish prophet should uh, should be given. In fact, in the law of Moses, uh, a false prophet should have been destroyed in the nation of Israel. And yet uh, here in the, um, the Babylonian empire, Daniel actually, actually intervenes on behalf of his his associates at the at the University of Babylon uh, that's an amazing position and that and yet that's exactly what the Messiah will do one day is intervene and intercede on our behalf and that's what Daniel did they didn't deserve it and they were still just as false and just as uh, as uh, much uh, a part of, of, uh, the false prophets as they ever were. But at this point, Daniel intercedes for their life's sake. And he says, take me into the King's presence and I will declare the, uh, interpretation to the King. So Daniel was confident that God had given him the answer. And so Ariok goes and actually creates this appointment, this, uh, entree into, uh, uh, into the king's presence, which evidently took place in a in a in a short amount of time, which is kind of surprising. And what's interesting is that Arioch uh, kind of takes credit for this, which is kind of interesting. Um, uh, it says, uh, "I have found a man among the exiles from Judah," as if. Ariok had anything to do with it. He didn't find him. Uh, Daniel introduced himself to him and said, don't, don't destroy the rest of, uh, the, uh, conjurers of, of, uh, Babylon until I consult my God first. And, uh, so this has nothing to do with Ariok, but he has to take credit for something in order to keep his, keep his job. Probably it says, can King said to Daniel, uh, and notice that, uh, at this point of the story, um, uh, he, he gives his Babylonian name, which is Belshazzar, which is uh, uh, Prince of Bel. Bel happens to be one of the false gods of Babylon. He's still going by his own name, which has the name El in it, which is uh, uh, short for Elohim. And the God of his fathers. But it says, as for the mystery about which the king inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. So, first of all, Daniel saves their lives, even though they didn't do their job. He saves their lives by offering the king that I have an interpretation, don't execute them. But at the same time, he distinguishes his own skill that's about to uh, be revealed (laughs) that, uh, that that its source is about to be revealed. That's completely a different different kind of methodology than what the rest of these conjurers and, and magicians and uh, diviners and Chaldeans are able to exhibit. So Daniel distinguishes himself. He, he basically kind of hints at the fact, I'm not like the rest of those guys I get my instruction, I get my wisdom, my power, my understanding, my revelation, my interpretation comes from a different source and a different method than any of the rest of these people on this committee. And I want you to know that. So he says, uh, uh, oh, as for you, O oh king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future, as would be uh, uh, would be the case in, in many regards, what a powerful man he was as the king of the Babylonian empire. And he wanted to know what the future has to take place. And God basically gives him an idea what the future is going to be. Now here, the translators here uh, call this, what will take place in the latter days. This isn't what we, would call the latter days. This is what Daniel and his three friends would have called the latter days. And that means all those days after Nebuchadnezzar. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, he says, you were doing this. And he says, he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. And Daniel kind of deflects any attention from himself because that is the nature of god of god's people that's the nature of maturity of god's prophet he says but as for me this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man i'm just a man but god has put his finger upon me to interpret this dream for the king and that's what he says for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. So this dream is so profound. It is so uh, integral to the future of Nebuchadnezzar that God gives the answer to Daniel. And it has to do with the future, not only of the Babylonian empire, but of the Jewish people and the nation of Israel for many, many years to come. And we'll find out about that in episodes to come. Father, thank you that you are a God who did not remain silent. You told us things. You told us things about ourselves, about our origins, about our history, and about you that otherwise we would not have known. Thank you, Father that we can trust what you have to say because you've said certain things before and they've come about just as you have said. So we rely upon you to give us understanding about what is to come as we trust in you to be true. And we do so in Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.